Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Today I'm bringing The Good Death, Part 2. I think I'm going to keep adding parts, but for today, Part 2. Let's dive in. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, my idea of the good death includes my family near me, all desired expressions of love having been shared, any reconciliations have been achieved or at least attempted, and my loved ones know my wishes about medical interventions. I avoid sharing my wishes here, at least the full extent of them, because they're personal and seem to change as I learn more and more about interventions and the extent to which medical personnel will work to save a life. Also, the more I read and hear other people discuss their experiences with family members who have not had the good death, I have more of an idea of what I do not want. Lastly, I don't want to sway any of you to one opinion or another. My purpose is to encourage you to explore this yourself. I do not condone or condemn your choice or the choices others make. I encourage you to ask the questions, find the information, have the conversations, make your own decisions. This is a deeply personal exploration if you choose to take it. You can also have the choice to not think about it or consider it at all. I follow many end-of-life podcasters and professionals whose living is made through their work with the dying and are engaged in the dying and death conversation. They have experienced way more dying and death than I have, and it would not be so helpful if I only shared my experiences time after time. These folks have so much to offer, and my efforts are to shrink the wealth of information into bite-sized pieces to help you dip your toe into this large pool of experience. One of my readings recently included a survey from the National Library of Medicine and Palliative Care. This survey included interview questions from patients receiving palliative care and professionals working in palliative care. Here's a summary. This is a quote. The literature suggests that health professionals working in palliative care have developed an idealized concept of dying, which has been labeled the good death. This paper reports the results of a preliminary qualitative study which compared the concepts of a good death used by patients and staff in a palliative care unit. Semi-structured interviews designed to elicit perceptions of good and bad deaths were conducted with 18 patients and 20 health professionals. The patient's descriptions of a good death were diverse and included dying in one's sleep, dying quietly, with dignity, being pain-free, and dying suddenly. In comparison, staff characterized a good death in terms of adequate symptom control, family involvement, peacefulness, and lack of distress, while a bad death was described as involving uncontrolled symptoms, lack of acceptance, and being young. End quote. The findings may appear to differ from patient to professional, but you can see similarities. Dignity was mentioned from patients. I read recently that a patient who was no longer able to feed, clothe, or toilet himself felt he had lost his dignity. What might dignity in dying look like for you? Moving on. The Cancer Council in Australia put together this piece for patients to consider for their end of life and dying well. 
The webpage encouraged readers to consider what they think dying well would be like for themselves. Then they included these brief statements. 1. Know that death is coming and have some understanding of what to expect. 2. Have some control over pain relief and other symptoms. 3. Be able to retain some control over where death occurs and how it happens. 4. Maintain a sense of dignity. 5. Have the opportunity to prepare for death. 6. Reconcile damaged or broken relationships. 7. Have the chance to say goodbye. 8. Resolve regrets. 9. Be able to have a say in end-of-life care and ensure your wishes are respected. And last, number 10. Think about what dying well means to you. I have thought about it. I have listened to others express their opinions. I have talked about it. I am still changing mine from time to time to include new ideas I had not considered before, and I have let go of some that I realized did not have a place in my desires anymore. My overall impression is that we all have choices, and since we will all die, we should consider these options and the choices while we are still able to make the decisions we find important to us. Karen Wyatt, M.D., is the founder of End of Life University. She's a person I follow and have come to consider a mentor in my exploration of the death and dying space. Dr. White interviewed Diane Rem, author and creator of the When My Time Comes movie. She wrote a book which became a part of this film and she interviewed people with opinions regarding medical aid in dying or MAID. We will cover this topic of MAID in a future episode, but for today's purpose, exploring what is the good death, I will share this part of Dr. Wyatt's post-interview commentary. Dr. Wyatt summarized the interview to stress that Diane Rem is not, quote, really trying to push anyone in one direction or another. She's simply saying it makes sense that we have options available to people, end quote. Diane also mentioned in the interview that, quote, if you want to put everything in God's hands and let nature take its course, that is perfect. That's absolutely how it should be for you. If you want medical science to take over and do everything possible for you at the end of life, that's also a choice that's available to you and should be available. And if you would like to use medical aid in dying, if you fit the criteria, that's another option that should be available to people. End quote. What I got from this summary is that we have options. We may not receive the good death, but we can pursue dying well by mending relationships, informing ourselves as much as we can regarding our end-of-life choices, and being open and honest with our loved ones about our wishes, then choosing a designee to make sure those wishes are carried out. This is not a perfect exercise. I want to stress this. Dying well really focuses on those with terminal illness, those who know their end of life is approaching. When I cover the not-so-good death, we will explore scenarios that people end up in where their choices are not known, family is not around, or pain is so uncontrollable that there is suffering. As the information from the small study noted above and other literature available, people tend to want to be pain-free and without distress at the end of life. 
usually to be surrounded in their own home by their loved ones at the bedside. Well, this is a little shorter than the first one. That's what I have to share for you today. I guarantee we will discuss this again. But for now, take care. I'm thankful you listened today. Please visit my website and drop me a question or a topic for future discussion. Also, in the show notes, you'll find any reference materials such as names or book titles that I discussed in this podcast. Until next time, folks, take care.